Welcome back to Growing in Grace Together. I'm Joel Brzezinski. I've got with me a person who um, who likes to call me names. He calls me Brewski, and he calls me other things uh, behind my back. <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> and, to your face. And, well, and if to, I could, that's true. That's true. He's an equal opportunity offender. He'll do it behind my back or or right to my face. <laughs> and how do you know it's actually Brzezinski? Well, you know what? I don't know. And in fact, my um. There were some people, basically, a little history lesson here that no one would be interested in, but my uh, <laughs> my background gonna, is... going to give it anyway. ...is basically... That's right. So just sit tight. <laughs> uh, it's a German name, and it's told that when people came over to the States, some people pronounced it Brzezicki, and some people pronounced it Brzezicki, or or something like that. And my nephew... Uh, my my brother's son in California has taken it a step further, and he now actually refers to himself when people ask him his name. He says his name is Brewski, and so it just probably will continue to evolve like that. But how uh, fun! You always have something to <laughs> to play with. It's a lot of fun, and I don't know. Uh, am I pronouncing your name right? By the way, Ralph Harris. I don't even think I introduced you for sure. I just said it's a guy who makes fun of my name. And who makes fun of me? <laughs> but, but well, we are that might be with... enough. I mean, I think there's probably a few people that I got on my side just from that one little thing. Yeah, we want to make fun of that thing too. Oh yeah. Uh huh. But it's uh, the president that we're talking to, not of the not of the country and and not of the world, although he'd like to be. But it's oh, uh, no. the president no. of Life Course Ministries and the author of the uh, most excellent book, Better Off Than You Think, God's Astounding Opinion of You. Yes, indeed. I got Ralph Harris with me again. So uh, it's been good to talk with you. You know, last time, Ralph, we yeah. were, uh, I had there were a couple things that I, I thought about that I'd like to bring up. You, you were talking about how uh, you've perceived in the last eight or so years that more and more people seem to be getting uh, this message of of God's grace, His unconditional love, and and just uh, His His astounding opinion of them. And in what ways? I, I guess my question would be: In what ways have you seen that? Because you're you're obviously interacting with with lots of people in lots of different ways. And if you could share some experiences or just some thoughts on how you've seen that happen taking place. Well, and that's a that's a good question. Um, I, I really wish you hadn't asked that because I don't have a very good answer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but all right, next um, question. <laughs> yeah, right. Moving right along. Um, when God uh, sort of happened to me and told me that He thought of me as faultless, blameless, you know, I, I was dazzled, and it left me dazzled to the extent or the result that I started telling everybody else that that's what God thought of them. And the, any of the scriptures that I found that we had been been made new creations, actual new creations. You know, one moment we were one thing, and the next moment we were entirely something else. Uh, they just they became so important to me, so dear to me. Uh, but it was difficult in that in my little circle, my little puddle, which was in Southern California, which is where I was raised. I I apologize for that, by the way. <laughs> now, now that I'm in Colorado, I have a little more credibility, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, I be began to teach this wherever I went or whatever ministry I had and it was um, exceptionally difficult frankly um, because people just thought how can you motivate anyone by telling them they are exceptionally well off and they have no worries with God so I would tell them something like that anyway thinking well it's not your fault 
that God did all this to you. He, he thinks this is true, and he is his own motivational source. He's the one in you who will motivate you. You won't have to worry about motivation when you're knowing the love and the grace and the power of him. You're going to love him, and he'll provide all the motivation necessary. And then I began to, um, I cut my teeth, my Christian teeth anyway, on people like uh, A.W. Tozer, C.S. Lewis, Andrew Murray, um, people like that who have depth to them. And then I began to find books like uh, Steve McVeigh's Grace Walk. And uh, he, he's one of my heroes, actually, mm -hmm. because yeah. he, I, I picked up his book, I forget how now, I think someone sent it to me, and I went, oh my gosh, this guy's, he's speaking my language, but better than I could. And um, other people I would meet, that, so that was one way, that his um, heretical book, <laughs> for some people, you know, no, definitely. Uh, got footing, um, and it began to, to help people. And I began to see an, another kind of people come to my church or just get to know me, and they were generally people who had not behaved properly where they had been. It had not gone well for them. Uh, someone was to blame, either them or the, or the leadership of the church. And so they had vacated the building, and some of them had uh, been adrift for a while. Others um, knew about me and thought, well, we'll just go try this guy. And that's a lot of the people who came to my church. Almost, almost all of them were like that. Uh, disillusioned, had failed um, quite miserably in some cases and thought, maybe I can go there and find out how, uh, maybe I'll get back in again. I'll, I'll have another chance. I'll try again. But what they got from me, and what I began, I began to hand out books and anything I could that I could find, um, was, you're really not who you think you are. And uh, they would be curious about that, and I would tell them, what if, again, kind of a, like as we were saying last, last time, what if God thinks you're one thing, a fantastic, uh, incredible, spotless, faultless, blameless son or daughter, actually, and all of heaven recognizes you. Everybody in the heavenlies sees you as you have become. And what if that opinion is way different from yours? Would, what, if he's, what if he has that to tell you? Would you like to hear about that? And wow. generally they'd say, yeah, yes, I would. And so any way I could do that, whether it was by them here listening to me or by giving them um, Grace Walk, I, I, get, I was given another ton of copies, um, or any other of the book, uh, books I began to find, um, I would do it. I'd give out sermon tapes. Um, it was just crazy. So, but as time has gone on, I have seen, of course, lots of other books now. Uh, Dan Stone and Greg Smith's book. Um, right, the rest of the gospel. Uh, as well as, um, oh gosh, Bill Gillum's book, uh, and um, oh gosh, others that now don't come to mind. Right. Malcolm Smith, one of my other heroes, you know. My goodness, that man has so much depth that I love. I mean, I, I would drown in his little puddles. Mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I've begun to, I, I've seen this now um, where now there are books such as Bo's Cafe I just read and just loved it which isn't a, a, a biblical treatise or a, um, you know, there aren't scriptures stuffed into it, but it is exactly what we're talking about. Um, the Shack and some other books that have at their core this, you need not fear God anymore. 
all the reasons that you would have feared him um, have been done away with. And he has given you, uh, taken away not only your bad, your ugly, your unrighteousness, your sin um, nature, but he's given you all of the righteousness of Christ. Um, and he's given you a new nature now, uh, in the case that they're Christians. And um, everything has changed, and I'm just seeing it much more now, um, really throughout the world. Yeah, I've, cause I, I've, I've seen the same you know, thing happen. That It just seems that more and more people are, are understanding this. And it's great because, you know, Christ came, you know, the, the Galatians says it is for freedom that Christ set us free, and there's so many people that are walking around not free, even though that's what Christ came for. That's what Christ came to live in them for, so that they could live a free life. And I like the way that you, uh, you know, you you approach people with it, at least the way you just described it there. Hey, you know, I think God's opinion of of you is is greater than what you think. Would you like to Would you like to hear about it? And and I think that's a great way to approach it. And kind of moving on with the. Uh, the whole idea of why people don't get get it or or why people don't understand that they are better off than they think um i'm actually going to have ralph agreed that he was going to sing a song this week <laughs> you <laughs> the first. monster he's going to do the monster mash well all right <laughs> I I won't hold you to that, even though you said you would. Oh, okay. I'm so glad you did say you were going to give me ten thousand dollars for this too. But thousand dollars, and, and I, and I, I think that's what I remember. I got lots of monopoly money on hand. So, uh, but yeah, there's a there's a chapter in your, in your book, uh, better off than you think, called "Doing the Monster Mash," and and this it, this really speaks to me. It's it's something that my friend Mike Kaplan and I talk a lot about on our on our regular Going in Grace program, um, but I love how you've worded it. I, I just I love, I, and one thing that I would love to tell people about your book is that if they if they do have a hard time understanding the grace of God and their identity in Christ, or if they're learning about it, or or for whatever reason. Ralph, the way that you word things, I think it's it puts it in simple terms that people can understand, and, and it and it and it you give a lot of word pictures, and a lot of ways that I think help people to visualize what it is that you're talking about. And this this monster mash song that you bring up it, it is just, I think, genius here. <laughs> and I, w- I won't read the lyrics to the whole song, but what it's uh, you know the song, the monster mash by Bobby. Bobby Pickett. It's it's a classic. It's an old one, and it's got some really good. Uh, it's it's groovy. Uh, but it says uh, from my laboratory, and I'm not even going to try to do the accent in the castle east, <laughs> to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. The ghouls all came from their humble abodes to get a jolt from my electrodes. And now you you go off of that. You know you use that word um, what what's talking about what he's talking about here the electrodes and i don't know if you can if you want to take it from there uh what what you kind of refer to the 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 monster within that kind of is confused with the reality of who we are mm-hmm. well I, I um i didn't realize that in fact i had been crucified i still thought there was a monster within and that that monster was me still so I had to hide him, restrain him, whatever I could do. Um, but God convinced me, through various ways I mentioned in, in the book, um, that, in fact, I was included in the crucifixion of Christ 
and that there was a, an entirely brand new me. I was no longer in the flesh. I was no longer the flesh as I had once been. I was, in fact, spirit-born, a really new creation in actuality, not just in theory. And as he convinced me about that, I began to have I began to look for that. Is it really true? And that's pretty scary for a lot of Christians because it means you have to embrace freedom and it means you have to embrace the spirit of God who lives within you and would love to form Christ in you. But it's been my experience that we are uh, scared of the Holy Spirit who has become the sort of loose cannon of the Trinity. He's the scary one, you know, he's going to you never know what he's going to do. Um and uh <laughs> So we don't actually think he's in us. We think he flirts with us, flirts with us from, from a distance. He falls afresh on us, those kinds of things, because he's not actually in us but around us. And So what, when you begin to believe that he actually is in the vessel, and we are a vessel, then there are ways that God induces us to look for him in there and that we're compa compatible with him now. We've become in union with him. But what happens is... If we don't know all that's true, if we don't know that we've been crucified and become new creations and that now the new way to live is by the Spirit and that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, then you'll try to live still by the flesh, by rules for behavior and conduct and so on, and you'll fail miserably and you'll burn out because you'll be attempting to live by the flesh, which for the Christian has become utterly impossible. It can't work. Mm -hmm. So what happens is then that um, for those of us who do, like, like, like I did, attempt to straighten ourselves up, make ourselves behave well, which subtly uh, means we believe we've not been made well and the gospel is not as good as it is, uh, we start trying to live by rules. And the Bible says in Romans 7 that the law of God or the, the, the rules of God, if I could sum it up that way, inducing us this belief that God is right. He's actually right. My, in, in my inner being, I delight in the law of God, as Paul wrote. But it, I, I see another law, the law of sin and death, this other thing that together seems to combine to produce death. So when I think of the right thing to do, I, I think, yes! And then when I set about to do it, an, another law springs up and... and puts me to death. It, it uh, what does Paul say about it? It, it uh, takes the opportunity afforded by the commandment. It, it, it says, hey, thanks for thinking about the best thing to do and that you're going to try to do it. I'll now make you fail. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens with Christians when they make commitments and uh, vows or they try to kill a, a, a self that is already, in fact, gone. And they try to live by rules. So what, what I have said in, in my book that you have a monster, the flesh, but in fact, you are no longer a monster. Right. You have a new self, and that self is spot-on perfect and brilliant, according to God, and according to me and to you, Joel, and others. And what you want to do is live by that and not by the monster. Right. And uh, I've said in my book, that, and I've looked a lot at Galatians chapter 5, where Paul writes that the spirit and the flesh are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. You, you remember that passage? Right, yeah. Yep, probably very familiar with it, I'm sure. And that the spirit, the Holy Spirit is not you, 
and the flesh is also not you because according to Galatians 5, I, think, I believe it's verse 17, you are you. So the point I make is that it's their conflict. The flesh and the spirit are having a conflict within. And it's not our conflict. It feels like it's ours because that's where it takes place is within us. But our choice as new creation sons and daughters of God is to offer ourselves to the spirit is to make a believing choice. Ah, I feel this. I know what's going on. This rule-based, law-based, flesh-oriented living. I see the conflict it's causing on the inside of me. I, I then offer myself to the Holy Spirit. And He then produces the fruit or the evidence of His presence within us. You could say He produces His behavior of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, um, gentleness and, and faithfulness and self-control and that's how he becomes evident or how Christ is formed in us on the other hand if we offer ourselves to the flesh even if we try to, to corral it or train it up or dress it up and, and take it to the st store with us it's not going to behave it'll always be monstrous it'll always produce monstrous behavior and Paul writes in that same chapter Galatians 5 the acts or the behavior of the flesh will look like this. And you can see, ah, no wonder I feel so terrible when that behavior is going on. It's not actually me. It's the flesh producing what it's like through me. Mm -hmm. And that's where the monster mash goes on. If yeah. I offer myself to the flesh or if I offer myself to rule-based living, uh, to commandments and to commitments and to keeping those things, I will invariably not live by the Spirit. I won't receive the production of the life of Christ, Him now in me. I won't know that. I'll know something else, and I won't be living in what I, in my inheritance, Paul calls it, uh, the life of Christ now in me. And that's, that's tragic. But that's what's happened to to many of us, myself included, for years. Right, and and, and me too. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. You know, the the uh, whole idea of you know what the song says: the uh, to get a jolt from my electrodes, and and the electrodes in this case that arouse the fleshly monster, as you say in the book here, rules, pledges, yes. should do's, shouldn't do's, and laws and things like that. And so, if we want to see, you know, if if we're you know, if anyone wants to see the, the flesh rise up, yeah, just throw in some rules uh, for behavior. Yeah. Try defining your success by making pledges. Try living by law and stuff like that. Well, and I used to watch that happen all the time when I'd go to youth camps as a youth pastor, and I still do it a lot. And I'd watch people uh, say, don't think about this or don't try mm -hmm. to do – don't do this. Make sure you don't uh, uh, do this thing over here or and make sure you do this like this. And uh, the youth would uh, steal themselves, and yes, that's how I'll do it, and I'll commit, and yes, Lord, for you, yes. <laughs> and then within a matter of days, maybe a week, uh, if they were really amazing, uh, they would uh, carry it out for a little while and then fall apart mm -hmm. and think, well, I need to go back to camp. I need to make a rededication, a recommitment to the same old way, because if I just do it right, uh, then then it'll finally work and God will be happy with me. Yeah, I used to do that all the time. You know, I'd go to a retreat or I'd go to, you know, something on the weekend where there was a, 
uh, what I now call a motivational speaker, really is all he was, just motivating the flesh to do some great things. And I was committed, and I was going to go back, and I was on fire, and I was pumped up. And yes. and then, you know, the next, uh, you know, like you say, it's within a few days, it's kind of like, where did that passion go? Uh, well, and and, and I feel like such is, a failure. I mean, God is actually in you, in Joel. He's actually in there. But in many of us, he's he's virtually unemployed. He has no job, nothing to do. And by all these commitments and rule-keeping and pledges and all these things, we put him in the unemployment line. Right, and when I think some people, that what, what they think that he's there to do is to make sure that they're following the rules and keeping their pledges and all that, when it's totally the opposite. Yes, that is exactly right. He's He's not... He's not a, a living version of the uh, uh, old covenant. He isn't uh, going to convict us all the time of sin and, and badness and keep us on the straight and narrow. He's there to produce righteousness. That's his ministry, his righteousness. It's not death. It's not failure as, as the law's business was with us. He is life and the production of it and the formation of Christ in us. God in us. Hooray! You know, that's... That's the hope we have, is finding Christ in us, the hope of glory and, and sufficient for everything. And, and, you know, and that's, that's, that's what I love about you, Ralph. That's what I love about what your passion is, is to help people to understand that and to grow in that. And, man, it's been great having you here with me for these, uh, these couple of programs. And, uh, again, uh, just letting, uh, letting people know how they can find out more about you and your book and your ministry. The book is Better Off Than You Think, God's Astounding Opinion of You. And uh, if you if you want to let people know about the website, and uh, I just want to ask you, bottom line, is there something, you know, a final word that you would love to share with, with people who are listening right now? Well, if you're listening, I, I presume um, you're a believer, that you're a son, you're a daughter, and God himself has made you a perfect place in which to live. He's so happy about where he lives in you. And it's to his delight and pleasure and yours that you find him there, happy to be where he is, capable where he is, and that the two of you that you know united would be a, a great display for his ability in, a, in, in vessels of his choosing and pleasure. Mm. That's what I want to say. Excellent, Ralph, and I sure appreciate that. And, and uh, again, the, the website is lifecourse.org, and the book, Better Off Than You Think, God's Astounding Opinion of You. Ralph Harris, it's been a joy to have you with me, and I, I sure thank It has you for been a pleasure, my friend. And hopefully we can do it again sometime. Me too. Thanks very much. 